0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of The Robcast. All kinds of things going on. Christmas show at Largo coming up um, Monday the 19th, and your new favorite band, Joseph, will be joining me. And my Christmas show involves light up nativity scenes and music, and I'm going to be doing this talk about land and politics and empire and resistance and what the actual Christmas story, the setting of the first Christmas story. So anyway, Lago Christmas Show, it's always a blast. And um, we're giving all the proceeds to Charity Water. So that's just fantastic. And then a uh, tour starts roughly a month from now. Um, first tour dates are in Tucson and Phoenix. I was just told Phoenix sold out. Still some tickets for Tucson. And then end of January, Santa Barbara, San Diego. And then from there, we go all over the place. So it's the holy shift tour. And my beloved friend Pete Rollins will be opening, and all those tickets are at rabell.com. And then, Millones Cojones, my first novel, we did a limited run of hardcover. So, hardcover edition of the novel. So, if you, um, honestly, if you have that person here, like, what in the world do I get them? Millones Cojones, hardcover, limited edition at Robell.com. There, I'm taking care of you. We're all set. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Oh, and then one more thing, this is the last um, podcast of the year, and then I'm going to go off the grid for a little bit, then I'll be back at some point in January, and we'll keep going. And I actually, in my uh, ever-present notebook, have a long list of episodes um, brewing for next year, so um, we're going to keep them rolling, but sometimes you just got to go away, you know what I mean, and uh, cook it all up again. <laughs> now... This episode, I am not alone in the back house, because once again, Alexander Shia
1: has stopped by. Welcome, my good man. Hey, Rob. It's Hello, everybody. It's I'm, I get to be your last guest of the year. <laughs> I'm excited. Hey.
0: <laughs> and those of you who have heard other Alexander Shia Robcast episodes, you're already smiling because you know what you're, what, what you're in for. Um and we were emailing and about doing another episode, and you said, I want to talk about the mythic dimensions of the Christmas story. Yeah. Yeah. I was Absolutely. instantly like, I could feel RobCast listeners smiling already at you talking about the, the mythic dimensions. Yeah. Of, um, But first, let's back up. Two years ago, it's two years ago this week. Yeah, you almost to here. the day.
1: Almost to the day.
0: Almost to the day. We did an episode. You weren't feeling well, and rushed to the hospital after we I got went done recording. From
1: here, from from this chair to the emergency room, and I was really a pretty sick guy.
0: Man, oh man, oh man! But now, you, I mean, um, having known you now for several years, you're like jumping yeah. out of your skin with life. Yeah,
1: I, I didn't believe. you. I, I I almost died. I don't say that dramatically, but yeah, right. Um, the surgeon told me that the that what I was dealing with was so serious that it would be about a two year recovery. Oh, really? And, and I'm thinking to myself, Nah, it's like six months. It's been two years, and I can say he was about, he was right. I really, it's like I finally feel totally back in my body and excited about life. Oh, uh, I'm so glad. Yeah. Yeah, um, really. Man, that was... Cr- Christmas has come quite early scary this year for me. That was scary for a while there. it, it was, I mean, I had no idea how sick I was. What did everybody you, what did everybody have, else What was knew. the
0: official diagnosis, or what did you have? Well,
1: um, <clears throat> I had a, 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 tum- a cancerous tumor in the colon. But what was really dangerous was I had sepsis. And uh, the infection was raging, and the surgeon said, you know, you had a day, a couple of days, but not much. So when you were
0: here two years ago, and then you went to the hospital, and you were like, Rob, I'm not feeling that well. I think I'm going to go to the hospital. You get there, and the doctor says you had about a day.
1: No, uh, what they diagnosed was the tumor. Nobody knew about the sepsis until they opened me up. And that was the clock was ticking. The the tumor was serious, but it was contained, and, and I needed surgery. But the infection was the same thing that Patty Duke died just a few months after uh, my surgery. Mm. It's like the—and nobody knew about the sepsis. None of the blood tests, nothing was showing the sepsis. But when they opened me up, I was filled with infection. <laughs> it's almost like you knew it, though. I knew I, I, knew I wasn't feeling right. Well, but I always trusted my psyche to tell me when things was, were really serious. And this one, I wasn't getting the messages. Although, when I was sitting here, it was unmistakable, go to the hospital. This is not... Whatever is going on mm-hmm. is not mm-hmm. just go home and rest.
0: Right, right. So, yeah, Well, I'm I'm so glad you're
1: here. Yeah, me too. Okay, so me too. Yeah. when we were
0: emailing about you coming by today, coming from Europe on the way to Santa Fe, which <laughs> sounds like a song, you stopped by L.A. for a bit. Just stopped by L.A. Um, and you said mythic is that what you said mythic yeah,
1: dimensions the mythic dimension of christmas
0: okay so let's uh, start in i i start in what do you mean
1: well why do we have a why do we have the feast of christmas and why do we have it on the 25th of december i mean there there's the the human story of jesus that we know from the gospels but how and why did christianity decide to celebrate it on the 25th and what's the universal cosmic story that that day tells us.
0: <laughs> oh my God! I can't stop smiling. So so go. Where do you start? Oh, by the way, for those, I, I mean, I, I always go over this just for those who, I mean, for some, mythic means myth. They're only understand the only time they've heard myth used. That's a myth meaning not true. You speak of myth, Joseph Campbell ish, who you studied under. Myth. Yes. How, uh, you mean. A story that is more than literally true?
1: Yes, a, a, a story that is so true that it can only be told in metaphor. Oh, my goodness.
0: That's probably, th- that's one of the better definitions and, of myth I've ever heard.
1: And, and what Joseph Campbell would say about a mythic story is is that it is so true, it will make you groan.
0: It will make you groan? Groan.
1: And if, oh. if you're not groaning with the story... G-R-O-A-N or G R O W N. No, G R O A N is how he used it. Yes. But G R O W N is I like my pretty other one. good too. It's kind too. of ridiculous, but I kind of like it. Okay,
0: <laughs> uh, so keep going. All right. So you're going to start with winter solstice? What are you going to Yeah, I'm going to start? start
1: with winter solstice. Okay. I'm going to start with this false dichotomy, which we've been sold that somehow the, to say that Christmas and the winter solstice are, are together uh, diminishes both. Ah, uh, right. Right. All right. So, and I'm going to talk, I mean, whenever you go back into uh, history of the first four or five centuries of Christianity, it's quite complex and there are many threads. I'm going to simplify it and bring it down to the core story about how Christianity develops the Feast of Christmas, which doesn't happen until the fourth and fifth centuries. Now, let's remember that the core feast that powers Christianity for the first four to 500 years is Easter, and it's always Easter. But we develop Christmas because we have a particular need. As long as we Christians stayed in the Mediterranean, we stayed with our Jewish calendar, which was a moon calendar. We try to go north of the Alps to this new people for us uh, that go from Ireland to Turkey that we call the Celts. The Celts are not just a group of people in Ireland or what we think of today as Britain, etc. The Celtic world went from Ireland all the way to Turkey but did not come below the Alps. And the most important feast of their calendar year was the winter solstice. Because living in the cold climates, they absolutely were dependent upon the sun, the S UN sun, and they absolutely needed the sun's rebirth at the winter solstice. So now, the,
0: the days get shorter and shorter and shorter, darker and darker and darker, until the days reach their penultimate moment of darkness, Right, and then it tilts, and then the days start getting
1: longer again. Correct. But we are you know, scientific people that know that that's going to happen in the natural course of events. That's not the Celtic understanding. This, 2,000, 1500, 2000 mm-hmm. years ago, they believed that they must engage in spiritual practice so that the sun will be reborn. <laughs> wait, it's wait. not what?
0: So, that, so, that, so the universe is an interdependent,
1: yes. participatory yes, 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 reality. Yes, 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 yes.
0: Where your actions affect how the celestial bodies unfold in
1: their movement. Yes, yes. Okay, all right, so we come, we Christians come out of the Mediterranean world with our Mediterranean moon metaphors, and we are trying to evangelize the Celtic world, and they're having none of it. Uh, because we're not speaking the same language. We're speaking uh, of uh, I mean the we think of the ritual calendar as sort of an extraneous uh, addition. To Christian spiritual practice. But in those days, the calendar and what's going on in the, in the earth and in the sky and in the water is absolutely essential. You cannot uh, have the Celts understand our experience with a theological concept about the birth of Jesus the Christ. It's like, tell me how that happens in the earth. So we go, okay, tell us about what you celebrate. And they tell us about the winter solstice. And we go, we know that story in what we think of as a deeper way. You are thinking of the rebirth of the S-U-N. And we're thinking of the power that's beyond that power that brings freshness and new radiance to everything in the cosmos. So in the same way that nature goes through a process of
0: birth, the human being with a soul, with a spirit, with the heart, with desire, with longings, imagination, okay. goes through a birth as well. Right. And that's what we... So at the darkest part, when you're longing for the sun to shine again, for all... It's starts how you can't even start talking about this and you already start linking it. For all of us in our lives, when we go through pain, suffering, heartache, right. despair, what we want
1: is for an end of the darkness so the sun will shine. Right. So, I mean, some theologians today will talk about there are two great incarnations. You know, the first incarnation is before the first moment of time when God puts God's self into the cosmos. As Christians, the second incarnation is Jesus the Christ. And because we see those as the two fullnesses of God, they must be complementary they must mutually affirm each other correct and so what's happening in the cosmos is another way to tell the story of Jesus the Christ yes. and what's happening in the cosmos is the primary reason that we have dates on the christian calendar not because of some historical the only thing on the christian calendar that's somewhat historical is easter everything else on the christian calendar is predicated on earth and sky and water and and it's Physical impact and embodiment in us.
0: Well, it's just fascinating when you talk, because you're talking about cosmology, and it's so interesting, like a very alive, dynamic cosmology in which everything is talking to everything else. Yeah. Everything is connected with everything else. Yeah. It's interesting now in 2017, we everything's been paved over. Tile floors, fluorescent lights. Um, people so profoundly disconnected from the earth and what it's doing. In all of its rhythms and cycles that you begin talking about to be like, What do you mean? Yeah. Um, literally, the modern human beings have paved over these. It's like we duct taped the megaphone. Right. So that the noise can't get out. Right.
1: Um, and, and, and we've done that in Christianity because we've separated Christmas yeah, right. from the night sky and the earth and the barren trees.
0: It's funny, it's funny, also, because sometimes they're like the, um you meet the person who's in the conspiracy phase of spiritual growth, where they've suddenly realized that the King James Version had things changed because of political agendas, and they realize that the early church got hijacked by Constantine, and they're sort of in the conspiracy like mm-hmm. like, oh man, the whole thing's rigged. Nobody in the Gospels is telling the truth. Everybody's got an agenda, et cetera. But one of the things is in all those Christian holidays, those were just mimicking. like like, pagan or heathen, you know what I mean? Uh, You have to say it a certain way, like heathen Um, ceremonies. You're like, yeah, because there was truth in those. Um, It wasn't fighting against truth. It was going, oh, we know about that. Yeah,
1: yeah. We know about that and we think we have an addition to the story Uh, that will be... uh, Added depth. Added depth for you. Okay, so keep going. Well, so um, let's talk about, first of all, how... Today, Christmas Day, the 25th, is separated from the solstice, which now is December 21st, 22nd. Mm-hmm. And how that separation happened. So, 1500 years ago, when we we're developing the Feast of Christmas, <clears throat> uh, we we're under the Julian calendar, uh, uh, created by Julius Caesar in about 50 BCE. And that calendar only had 362 days in it. And Fast forward now to the 16th century, and December is now in the springtime, because as you go through hundreds of years, and you're uh, missing— All right, three days catch up. Three days out of the year. All right. So, Pope Gregory created the Gregor- what's called the Gregorian calendar, which is— Didn't he chant, too? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. But it's a 365-day calendar, plus every fourth year, a leap day. So now what happens in, the, in our Christian year is all of our feasts, we've got this three-day slippage. What do we do with our feasts? Because the Christian calendar is predicated on what was going on with the sun and the earth. That's where, how all of our major feasts were set. So now the solstice is three days before the great feast of Christmas. What do we do with it? And there are, tome, there are dusty tomes in the Vatican Library of the theologians trying to figure out, well, do we move the Feast of Christmas back to the day of the solstice, or do we leave it on the traditional day that we've always celebrated it for, for almost a thousand years now, of December the 25th? Now, there's a clue in what I just said about how and why uh, the decision was made to leave Christmas as three days after the solstice. Mm-hmm. And what in Jesus' life when we hear three days. Yeah, right, right, right. And, and there it is. And we have the added effect that the word solstice means sun stand still. So that actually on the day and night of the solstice and for the two days after it, the sun seems to not move. And on the winter solstice, on the third day after the winter solstice, the naked eye can begin to see light grow. And for that physical embodiment experience, the church said, this is even better. It's even better that we don't have Christmas on exactly the day of the solstice. Christmas morning now in the Northern Hemisphere is that first moment that the naked eye can perceive that light is now growing again.
0: Light is now growing again. Yeah. Oh, that's a title of something. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love and, how well, uh, how uh, creation is announcing this. Yes! All around you yes. in technicolor yes. vibrancy and vitality. Yeah. Yes. Everywhere you look, you're yes. surrounded by this announcement. Yeah.
1: And everything in the Christian calendar, except for the Feast of Easter, and even that is is also still predicated basically on nature, mm-hmm. uh, is is pinned to nature tells the story that the Gospels amplify.
0: <laughs> it's just so funny to me how the people who claim to be telling this story, not funny, tragic and funny, the people who are su- seeming to be kind of the loudest about this story often are the last people to be protecting and caring for the environment. Yeah. And how that is such heresy. That's yeah. actually heresy. Yeah. Yes. That you would claim to be announcing the Jesus message and then be just drilling left and right and car- like not care about this
1: they they have well, divorced the two great divorced. incarnations
0: oh
1: yes yes yeah they have divorced they've divorced god's very self in the cosmos from god's very self in Jesus the Christ and when you do that you of course the whole thing falls apart well it, it, it yeah and and Okay, keep going. A tragic. Yes. So it's not just that uh, that Christianity wants to marry the birth of Jesus to the winter solstice as a theological concept or a nice sort of physical embodiment, but Christianity wants to teach us uh, at this moment one of our deepest spiritual practices. And this is the power of Christmas, that we know... That every time in our personal or in our collective, in our community or our family life, when we go to the deepest dark, that that's where the fresh radiance, the grace of the fresh radiance will come forth in us by our courage to walk to the place of the deepest dark. This is the powerful message of Christmas and a message that we so need at this moment. That the deepest dark is not the place where grace goes to die, but the deepest dark is the place where grace goes to be reborn. The deepest
0: dark is the place where grace goes to be reborn. Yeah. I mean, you write about this in your your book, Heart and Mind. but There are these four questions, the fourfold pattern that you begin with the the journey the leaving the village the restlessness that there's some path i'm to walk yeah. and then what comes with it is all the struggle the disillusionment the overwhelming uh, confusion but it's in that that spirit breaks you open yes and you begin to see in new yes in new ways yes
1: yeah. and And Christmas teaches us something that's beyond beyond hope. It's like I hope is a great place to start, but Christmas wants us to know, not just hope. Christmas wants us to know that it is precisely in the deep dark that the new grace is born. Hmm. That's so beautiful.
0: okay, so so the so these early Jesus followers. They're leaving one familiar world, and they're taking this Jesus announcement of new life and new creation and resurrection of all things, the healing of the world. They take it north into territory, where these Celts don't have any Jewish reference points. Like, Moses who? What? Torah? Kosher? What are you talking about? Um, But they do have a... Uh, deep reading of what's happening in the elements around them, in the environment.
1: Right. And they say, oh, yeah. What Christians do best when we're in our best self and we go to a people that don't know the story of Jesus is we say, oh, yes, you do. (laughs) Yes. Because you know the story that's going on in the earth. Mm-hmm. Now let us—it's like it's like the old Paul Harvey. Now let us tell you the rest of the story.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've always seen in uh, uh, in in my work. I've always felt that my job is to point out what's been happening around you the whole time. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not here to tell you. I'm not. I'm not bringing. I even early on, I chafed at this idea of taking God places. I was like, that's crazy. It's, it feels very arrogant, arrogant yeah. and crazy. Yeah. But all, I just I was oh no no, no we we get the joy of pointing out for each other yeah. what's already unfolding here. Yeah. Just sometimes it takes someone else to point it out to you. Yeah.
1: So I've got two examples okay, of, of what the Celts are doing, and how we say oh we know that story here. Here's here's the more depth of what to mm. what you oh, yeah. already are doing. Yep. So on the day before the solstice, which in this time, 1,500 years ago, is was December the 24th, mm-hmm. uh, the Celts are decorating the sacred tree. Now, they didn't have little trees in each house. They had one great sacred tree, which was somewhere in the center of the village. And in those days, the great sacred tree was the oak. It was not yet the fir tree. And the reason that the oak was the sacred tree is because the, ro- the oak drew lightning. And the Celts believed that when lightning struck the oak and one of the the limbs smoldered, they would take that limb off and it allowed them to harness fire. And so on the day before the winter solstice, they celebrate the rebirthing of the oak, the firebringer. And they do it by hanging in the limbs of the oak fruits apples and oranges and pears. So you have this beautiful central tree of the sacred central tree of the Celts decorated with dried fruits. What's the
0: significance of the fruits?
1: Well, let's go just one step further. Okay. The Christians see this and they go, oh yes, in the birth of Jesus the Christ, we are readmitted to the garden." (laughs) And here is the tree of life at the heart of the garden. That's good.
0: So they and when did the tree festival? What
1: where is? How far back do those origins date? They they go back to our first experience with the Celts. So we're talking fourth and fifth century, and it's like, okay. yeah, this but is this the is the Celts.
0: A, how long have the Celts been doing the solstice oh, tree the,
1: thing? Uh, well, I mean, the the Celts probably started as a people somewhere about four or five hundred BCE. So this is and they, oh wow, okay. The, the the Celts in the northern climate, the tree is their great vehicle of understanding God. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tree, which the roots are going into the earth. Uh, and the top is going into the heavens, and it becomes that sacred connector of all.
0: And they put a tree in the middle of the village. Now, did the lightning, hoping lightning would strike it?
1: No, the, the oak is a tree that lightning, uh, the oak draws lightning. And why is that? And, 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 by,
0: the, by the way, why, I'm sure that somebody who knows a lot about trees knows why that is. The elemental makeup of an
1: oak? Of the oak. It, it, it often is struck by lightning. Fasting. And because of that, the Celts in their lore believed that that's how they ultimately were able to harness fire. And so they honored the oak tree by building their villages around a central great oak, which was their sacred tree. They didn't cut a tree down and bring it— oh,
0: that, that was my next question. Okay, got it.
1: It, it, it lives in as yeah. the sacred tree, and they do sacred ritual around the tree from the winter solstice to the summer solstice. And that whole ritual of the Celts comes into Christianity. That's where the great tree comes into, in, into our tradition. Sure, sure. And it changes our shape of the cross. Until we met the Celtic world, the cross is a four-armed, equidistant cross. Yes. But when we meet a the... A plus Cel- sign. A plus sign. When we meet the Celtic world we translate the shape of the cross by moving the cross beam up so that the cross becomes uh, an icon of T. the tree. Yeah. <sighs> Seriously. <laughs> Which is I, I, What this is teaching us is, is that we don't stand on history. Our, our tradition it does not stand on history. We don't take out, this is the true history of Jesus and this is why we do something. We go to a people and say, Tell me how you understand your world, because Jesus is already here. Yeah. Anyway, so let's also look at, at um, so in the ancient Christmas festival, December the 25th, the winter solstice, Feast of Christmas, December the 24th, the day that the sacred tree is decorated. And what did we do as Christians? We made that day the Feast of Adam and Eve.
0: The Feast of Adam and Eve? How have I never heard of
1: this? Yeah, because it went out of the calendar about 500 years ago during the Enlightenment. <sighs> uh, Enlightenment. And, and then we have December the 26th, the, the next day in the, in the Winter Solstice Christmas Festival. And we, know, we may know today, uh, December the 26th is something called Boxing Day. Boxing Day, right. Yeah. But there's a whole story behind your. What are the Celts doing on the second day of the Winter Solstice Festival? The Solstice Festival is about the mystery of birth. And women have the mystery of birth in their bodies. So what's most important about the Winter Solstice Festival is what the men and the boys are going to do because they have to learn about the mystery of birth that's not in our bodies. Oh. For many of the Celts on the 26th of December.
0: men have to learn what the women already know. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds familiar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, on the 26th, the Celts, the men and the boys would go out and they would catch a wren, W R E N, a wren, mm-hmm. and they would kill it. And they would pour its blood into the earth to help the earth regenerate. Now, Christianity sees this and goes, we we want no part of the killing of birds. But let's understand why the Celts are doing this. Let's take the story in our language deeper. Uh, First of all, it's about men and boys understanding that the shedding of blood is necessary as part of the process of birth. And that men and boys need to understand that the shedding of blood in our Christian language is about the extension or the sweat of our hearts. Not an outer shedding of blood, but about something inside of us that we need to grow beyond. Mm -hmm. And let's also bring it um, into the, the metaphor of the Wren, Uh, The wren in the Celtic world, the bird, the wren, stands for the phallus. And so men and boys are participating in this ritual, which teaches them that that the phallus is something about generativity. And it's something about uh, a, a, a giving of self, which is beyond ego. And so Christianity goes, okay, now where do we know this story in our tradition? Well, we have Stephen, the first martyr, who gave his blood for love. So we're going to make this day, which the Celts had been understanding as the killing of the Wren, we're going to celebrate the remembrance and the practice of Stephen. But not just as a cerebral, oh, wasn't it great what Stephen did? On this day, men and boys go out and gather food and clothing for the poor and the shut-in and the widows. Because that's how you use your power. Yes. We go and we box food and clothing for the shut-in and the poor and the widow, and we take it to them. This, this is... So we have transformed the day from the ritual of physical shedding of blood and we brought it inside to the internal acts that, that are necessary for the people to live to the springtime. You know, in the winter and the cold to climates, the the generativity. Uh, because in this this, this instance, is
0: the most difficult moment of the year. You are the farthest from the fall harvest, and the spring is the farthest away. Yes, and so this is the moment when despair, darkness, cold health is all yeah this is all so it's going back to what people would have been feeling like yes or struggling with right. or up against right
1: and it teaches us um the other part of of the what the core message of christmas is and it's the first message is it's the deepest dark where the radiance is reborn and the second is that one of the practices that help us get there is generosity That at the deepest dark, there's part of us that wants to pull in and be protective. And that's absolutely the wrong direction at this moment. The direction at this moment is share, 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 share. Oh, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. That's where Boxing Day comes from. Yes. The Feast of Stephen. By
0: the way, when you're trained as an anthropologist... Was this all in your anthropology training, or was this later? Where where did you where did you become curious about all these origins?
1: Well, I, I, I've always been curious about ritual because I know that ritual ultimately is a metaphor for spiritual practice, mm-hmm. and that's my anthropology work. Yes, and. So when I, when I go back and I research what the Celts are doing and what Christians are doing, it's like, I know that Christianity at its best is never taking something away. It's always giving something. It's always giving a deeper understanding. It's always giving a deeper practice. It's adding layers in depth. It's adding layers in depth at its
0: best. It's interesting how, for many people, when they think of the Jesus tradition— for many, especially in in the modern world, cut off from a lot of these traditions, for many people, it's just a, a long history of abuse and exploitation and uh, crushing everything in its path. Yeah. When a careful reading, there is also a whole other story
1: going on there. Yeah. I mean, both are true. Yes. There is no doubt that we, we uh, our tradition has gone out and crushed. Yeah. But when we do it, when we're in our best self. Oh, that's an interesting way to see it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was reading reading the world and reading people and um Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, uh, I was um they they talk about these two macro and micro cosmic phases of the birth of a religion, that in the micro phase it's um trying to figure out what it is. So it's doctrines and dogmas and who are we and what do we believe and what are our statements and how do we read. Um, But the macro is when it moves from how do we solidify who we are to how do we give a good gift to the world. Right. And it totally shifts. Um, It totally shifts from you got to know where we stand to who are you and how can we help? And do we have anything to add to this? Mm. And that's just a fundamentally different posture yeah. of the heart. Yeah. yeah, that's really, man.
1: So one of the, I mean, just sort of as a side note, uh, I'm saying this out loud to sort of hold myself to the commitment, but uh, I'm going away this year for a couple of months to write the Advent Christmas book. Oh, because wow. Because oh, everything great. that the Celts did is still, we've got all these names and feasts and ideas But we think of it as all theological concept. It's spiritual practice, just like this Boxing Day Feast of Stephen.
0: Right. It's you having an experience. Yes. An embodied experience. An embodied experience that solidifies for you and wakens you up all the more to the deeper truths of how you grow and mature and
1: become more alive. And it teaches us what we need to do in the the physical winter experience. But its great power is teaching us what we need to do when we're in the internal winter experience, which might be in the middle of July. But when you're in that dark, cold place in yourself, the whole feast of Christmas and the whole the whole thirteen day cycle of Christmas is a profound teaching of the spiritual practice of how to how how to move through that time
0: how to move through deepest darkness, yeah, and have it essentially become grace. Man, I love it when you come by the backhouse. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, so, the, so keep going. Go. Well, it, don't um, even, don't tell me there isn't you have don't have a world more here. Oh, I do. It, okay. It's like you
1: know. It, Give me some more. We don't have what. All right. So, uh, just as, as sort of an interesting trivia, um, for the Celts, the winter solstice, which was a celebration of birthing, was dedicated to the goddess, and it was thirteen days. And Christianity took that wholly into ourselves, but a little embarrassed by the connection with the 13 days of the goddess, we tricked ourselves uh, by just renaming the 13 days. We still have them. Uh, It's Christmas Day, followed by the 12 days of Christmas. But uh you know every good 6th grader will go to the calendar and count out from December the 25th to the 6th of January and say but there are 13 days why is that? Because <laughs> it's it's the Celtic calendar. I love it. I and, love it. And each day of those 13 days is about the spiritual practice of birthing and what you need to do. Uh, to have a deep birthing moment within you. Now, um, and the other thing that probably would be uh, of, of great richness for us right now is to remember the four Gospels that the early Christians told between sundown on December the 25th and Noon or midday of December, between sundown on the 24th mm-hmm. and noon and midday of the 25th. This is um, the mythic story of Christmas that brings together the cosmos and Jesus the Christ as the one tapestry uh, of, of grace. So, <clears throat> do you want to hear this? Uh, uh, <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> You have to ask. <laughs> um, so it's sundown of the twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would tell the story of the genealogy from the Gospel of Matthew. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's that story that that uh, as a reader I would agonize if I were ever asked to to read that uh, before a community because it's got that long list of seemingly boring male names. So and so begot so and so begot so and so. But why is this the first gospel of Christmas? As It doesn't, it doesn't where that gospel s- stops, does it reference uh, Jesus the Christ at all? It, we're, we're at sundown. We're going into the darkness. And this gospel is helping us reframe from hope to knowing by reminding us of the story because this genealogy stops five times to tell us the story of a dark, strange, weird moment in the Jewish history. That nobody would have believed that this moment could have been the harbinger of a turnaround. That at this moment, this individual was in a darkness that people would have thought was going to end in calamity. and. Um, one of those stories, the, the first story is the story of Tamar, uh, and Tamar is Judah's daughter-in-law, and Tamar's husband has been killed, and Tamar goes to Judah and asks that, that she would marry his third son so she could continue in the line, and he says yes, 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 but he's not acting on it, and so she goes and she dresses as a temple virgin, and uh, and prays that as Judah comes to the temple, this is 4,000 years ago in a very different time, prays that as Judah comes to the temple, that God would direct him to lie with her, to, in essence, make love with her, in the hopes, in her hopes, that she would conceive. But she asks for Judah to give her his ring. Now, she's dressed in such a way that Judah doesn't recognize her if that can be believed. And the text says is that when Tamar begins to show, Judah pronounces the death sentence on her. And she just asks that she might meet with Judah before she's killed. And she produces the ring. And so the line of Abraham continues. Now, the genealogy has these five really strange stories in it. Here we are, in the coldest part of the year, going into the dark, and this genealogy is to remind all of us, remember those times that you were in the cold, dark of your life, and what happened. It wasn't the end. It was the beginning.
0: Because those uh, four women in the genealogies that are mentioned, which is weird anyway— Yes, that, and a male genealogy you yes. mentioned the women are all that's all scandalous, right There's all huge <clears throat> questions of reputation and integrity with those four stories. Right, so and then the, the
1: fifth story is David
0: is David which, yeah, yeah
1: yeah who and in the genealogy, the first time David is mentioned as King David, and then David, the husband of Uriah. I mean, uh, yeah, the, the, the husband who, buy which- Uriah, is the father of Solomon. Yes. And that's like a grocery store uh, tabloid headline.
0: Yes, right, right. So, uh, so, it is as you enter into the darkness, remember that all of the ways you've made a complete mess of things, all your shame, all your humiliation, all the gossip and rumors about you, everything you've ever done that you're mortified to have anybody bring up. Right. You go into the darkness with all that.
1: Right. And that's the place that Jesus the Christ wants to be born again.
0: Exactly in your place where you feel most insufficient, unworthy, dark, dirty, spoiled, uh, uh, soiled, that's what I'm trying to say. Right. Um, That's the place where this story meets you. And that's the
1: first gospel of Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's, a go- that's good news. Yeah. So then we go later into the night, whether it's 10 o'clock or midnight or 2 a.m. or whatever. But in the night, the second gospel of Christmas is the story of the angel coming to the shepherds with the proclamation of the birth. And the hosts singing the great Gloria in the heavens. Now, again, um, we have to set aside the, our, our stained glass windows of the wonderful little calm, uh, loving uh, shepherds with the little lambs in their in, in their arms and all that sweetness. Uh, the shepherd in this text of Luke references the shepherd in the first century, which is the brigand, the thug, Uh, the person who has been removed for polite society because they have done something to scandalize the community. They are considered those who are perhaps not saved and have been removed out into the fields to do the work that no one wants to do in this time and to smell like sheep, which is the mark of shame. This is better than having a a bell around your neck because when you smell of sheep everyone knows mm. a block away who you are and what you've done and you are to be avoided mm. but this is the place in the depths of the of the outer night told in the coldness of winter but this is about the inner story in us that as we go into that cold dead uh, nightly place inside of ourselves whenever it happens in our life, whatever day of the year it happens, that that's where the angel will come to announce the birth. Now we move to dawn, the third gospel story of Christmas. Christmas. And at dawn, perhaps as we walk or drive to church, or perhaps as we're sitting inside church or we're sitting in our homes, and we see the sun begin to rise. Now, on this third day past the winter solstice, when the Celts could actually ascertain that the sun is now increasing again, We continue the story of the shepherds coming to Bethlehem and seeing. They heard the promise in the night, but now they come at dawn and see the birth. And so the the story is the belief, I think beyond hope, the belief that we know. That if we endure through our own personal nights, that grace will come not only with the proclamation of birth, but that we too will come to the dawn and we will see it. It will be a physical, evident, sensory experience in our lives, just as the shepherds did.
0: Oh my goodness, that's so beautiful.
1: But that's not the end of the story. (laughs) There are were, there were four Gospels of Christmas for the early Christians. And the fourth Gospel is the one that is the most powerful, and it's the one that most people almost never tell. And it's the prologue from the Gospel of John. The
0: in-the-beginning one.
1: In the beginning. Because the prologue is, remember the two incarnations. And remember that the power of the birth of Jesus the Christ is told by the, how that power lives in the cosmos. That this one reality is confirming all moment of all reality across time. So that birth of Jesus is a proclamation of what God has been doing since the first moment of time. That spirit and matter have always been together. Always. We separated it, but spirit and matter have always been together. And the birth of Jesus the Christ confirms that in our physical human life, but it doesn't recreate, it it didn't start at that moment. It's the revelation of what has always been been true true the whole time. Yeah. So Christmas does not point us back in history to a day back then, but Christmas points us to what's happening right now, today, and what will happen tomorrow and the day after that. That's so that we might believe, so that we might move beyond hope to knowing, to knowing, to knowing.
0: Okay, wait, there's four, though. You said there's... Is that the third? No.
1: There's the, the genealogy. Oh,
0: okay. okay, got it. Genealogy.
1: The the shepherd... I mean, the angel coming to the shepherd mm-hmm. in the nighttime, mm-hmm. and then at dawn, the shepherds coming to the stable and seeing, and then in the full light of day, John's prologue.
0: Oh, man. Oh, man. So, the... So- so these early, early, early traditions, were always reading any text or story. It's about all of the physical world around you. It's about the deepest recesses of your heart. If it's true, then it's true, period. So it's true, all quadrants, all corners, all levels are layers. Right. And the whole thing is shouting the whole time. Right.
1: Yeah, see that's and that. But that we fun that we start with the earth. The earth is telling us the story. Well, it's funny because because it can't just be a theological concept. But
0: exactly, exactly. And it's so interesting to me how many how so many people, their belief systems or what they they were sort of picked up along the way, was this very narrow. Uh, the world sliding off a cliff, and there's these few people over here who have the truth, and they're sort of you know handing out tracks. <laughs> Or giving sermons or whatever about this little narrow, as opposed to, which is funny because I always intuitively for me, even as a kid was like, no, it seems like if it's true, it's true. So it's going to be everywhere. It's not going to be this group of people over in the corner. They might tap into it, but they would be tapping into the thing that the whole, the, the whole thing is singing a song. Yes. And you're free to join in and sing along. Yeah. 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 It's just a bigger, wider. Yeah. I yeah. Uh, love it.
1: Yeah. I love it.
0: I mean, yeah, and we've always, we've always ha-
1: had that line in the prologue about, you know, the, this is long before the prologue talks about the birth of Jesus, that this, that this Word, this birth, this breath, this radiance is, has been the light of all people.
0: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh, and the Word dwelt among us. Through it, all things were made. Right. It's as big and wide as creation itself. Yeah.
1: And it's the and it's the light of all people. Yes,
0: you know, and I've as, o- I've often been struck with, for many people, the Jesus story was told as the answer to a problem. Something went wrong, and God was like, "What am I gonna do? Well, well, you need a job. Go down there, fix it. <laughs> okay, Dad. You know what I mean? Like it was always as opposed, but the gospel writers seem to be specifically speaking against that, and Apostle Paul especially, with like, no, 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 no. We're here to talk about the whole way the whole thing has been. Yes. It's the mystery yes. now revealed. Yes, yes. We're not cramming something late into the game, into the story. No. We're talking about the full revelation of the what the story has been all along. Right.
1: The two full incarnations. I'll tell you,
0: this. This that newfound awareness probably happened to me a couple years into preaching when it started to open up for me and I would like, Oh, the whole thing, because I, because I came from the like silver bullet thing where you go and get trained and now you, the preacher, you have the silver bullet. Yeah. So you now go give the people the truth yeah. and watch them respond. But then I started, it was actually from studying the Bible. It was like, wait, 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 no, 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 that you, are joining the choir. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Rob, your little little tiny voice over here, you get to make a bunch of noise about what's been true the whole time. Yeah. All of creation has been proclaiming this. Yeah. And so now you get to add your little funky voice to this thing that's been rolling across the ages. Yeah. Which makes it so much more fun yeah. and true and dangerous and yeah. buoyant. Yeah. And and that's interesting what you talk about, moving from hope to knowing. Um, I don't know yeah. what I hope for. I know what I'm experiencing. Yes. I know what I've tasted. Yeah. If that's any indication, I think we're going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I,
1: I know I cannot give someone a reality that you've got to make the journey to discover it. I, yeah. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my life, I now know that when I go to the deepest dark, something miraculously happened. Oh, man. Oh, man. And I know that right now with the level of pain that we're experiencing mm-hmm. and tumultuous and chaos, yeah, yeah, this is the birth pains. Yes. These are the screaming birth pains of a phenomenal new radiance.
0: I'm literally I have paper right here, I'm gonna write that reminds me. I'm talking about the Christmas story, my Largo show. I just had to make a note. <laughs> I'm gonna add that in. Cool. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming by. Oh
1: Rob, it's a pleasure. It's a. it's an honor to sit here with you. Uh well and I, I just I look forward to it's these an moments honor for me as I travel the world. <laughs> Truly.
0: Now uh that that's that's amazing. Um, Heart and Mind. Heart is and Mind new is, is just
1: out. Um, it's an expanded version. Uh, I'm not going to tell people it's an entirely new book. It's it's going to there is some new material, but it's in a, a print, It's in a book print that's hundred pages longer because we've made the type larger. Thank you. And people are really saying, "Oh God, this is so physically easy to read now."
0: I'm telling you, to me, I got it's got to be easier. Um, I yeah yeah okay good. And then get that wherever fine books are sold.
1: No, actually, they can only get it on Amazon. (laughs) And uh, what's different is in the title, the title actually ends by saying second edition.
0: Second edition Heart and Mind. So for those of you who want an intro to Alexander, you have all these episodes I've done. You can go through the list of Robcast episodes. You have Amazon with Heart and Mind. Where else can people contact you if they want you to come? Because you go all over the world and speak about these things. I do. And And by the way, if you're in some tradition where you... Find these things interesting, growth, spiritual formation, let alone readings of the Bible that A, are more helpful, (laughs) and B, more historical, and C, might just light you up in all sorts of ways. You come and do this for people. So, how do they track you down?
1: WWW. Yep. Quadratus. Q U A D. Quad for four. Yep. Quadratus R A T O S. Q U A D R A T O S. dot com.
0: Quadratus, that's quadratus, how they get a hold of you. Right.
1: And oh, you can send me an email through there. And There's a media page on, on Quadratus that's got all of our podcasts listed. Oh, okay. great. And all the links are right there. Great. Good.
0: And you're going to go away and write some more. You're going to write up some of the stuff you talked about just um,
1: now? We have a, I have another book coming out in January called Returning Home from the Camino. And I'd love to talk to anybody who'd like to walk the Camino with me next autumn. Uh, it's 55 days and it's not inexpensive, except that it's the most valuable thing you can do for your life if you really want to make transformation. And you have 55 days. And you have to 55 days, yeah. In I mean, Spain it, it, with Alexander. It, it, it's going to cost you something, yeah. but I guarantee you it's going to change you your life. You
0: take people on a 55 day walk and their lives are changed. They, oh, oh, I remember you talking about this. The book is what happens when you have the, a sort of transformative experience, but then you have to come back to yes. your everyday life. Yes. Yeah. Um, how do you yeah. come back to life after you've tasted something like that, yeah. seen something like that?
1: Yeah, there's very little in our culture that prepares us for the coming back home experience. Yeah, right. And then the third yeah. thing is that I'm going to go away and write this year, uh, and hopefully I'm, I'm committing myself by next December to have a book out on Advent Christmas. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. This plus. This, what we've been talking about. I mean, it's not going to be a big book. It's going to be very practical. But... Excellent. The, the Celts have given us an incredible uh, uh, blueprint. And yeah. I, just want, I just want to share it for people who are looking for a love way it. to make the tradition sing again. I love it. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you so much. To you and to Kristen and your family and to all the people listening, Merry, Merry Christmas. Mm. Merry Christmas. Thank you. May it be true.
0: And to all my Robcast friends, I'll be back sometime in January. We'll keep going. And uh, grace and peace.